So the uh, everyone knows that marriage, a Jewish marriage, is comprised of two parts. There's two parts to a Yiddish marriage. There's a part called Erisin, and there's a part called Nesuin. We all know that the first mission Kedushin talks about Haisha Nikmes, the way to marry a woman, that's talking about Erisin. And then there's a, a process called Nesuin, which the first mission Ksubis talks about, which is the culmination of the marriage. The Erisin is done by putting the ring on the finger, and the Nesuin is done either through the Chuppah or the Yichurum. Many Mepharshim try to find where in the Torah it says the concept of Nesuin. We find the concept of Erisin, it says Ki'ikach Ish Isha. But where do you ever find the Ingin of Nesuin? So, I think Kemat, the only Makar in the Torah for the second part of marriage called Nesuin is the Pasuk in this week's Pasha. The Pasha is talking about people that have to go back from war, and the Pasuk says, Miha Ish Asher Eiras Isha, who's the man who did Eiras into his wife, Viloy Lakacha, but he hasn't yet taken her. So there's an implication that there's something called Eirasin, and he's passed Eirasin, but he still hasn't taken her. So that's Mashma, that there's a second part to taking a wife. So besides Eirasin, there's another part called Nesuin, and this Pasuk is the Makar for Nesuin. So I wanted to maybe mention a Yisoyed, a Chiddush, that I, I found from Roshan Shafal Hirsch about this union of marriage. He's talking about the famous Pasuk in Bereshis, when the Pasuk says, Al-Kein Ya'zav Ish has other this, Imei V'dava and then the Pasuk says, V'hoyu l'basar echad. So the Rosham Shafal Hirsch starts with the concept like this. The Torah says that you're not allowed to marry Arias. You're not allowed to marry people that are relatives of yours. He says this is so important that even a guy is not allowed to marry his relatives. What is the oymik behind the Isra and the Torah for a person to marry his relative? So he says something which I think is a fascinating insight. And if you listen, I think there's a lot to learn from it. He writes that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created an Isha for a man to marry, he called her an Ezer Kenegdan. So he explains that those two things go together. The way that a wife is an Ezer, the way that the wife helps him is by being Kenegdo, is by being different than him. He explains that if a husband and a wife would be the same, if they both share the same Milas, they would also share the same Chesreinus. And he says, even though that union would help them sharpen their milas, but would also help them to sharpen their chesreinus. He says, if a person would marry somebody who he was related to, someone who was similar to him, he'd be marrying somebody with the same chesreinus and the same problems. And the aside in marriage, says Rav Shav Hirsch, is to try to find somebody that has different milas than you and is lacking the chesreinus that you have, and he says, that's the pshan, v'hoyu l'basar echad. All the Rishayim try to figure out what's v'hoyu l'basar echad. The basar echad is, is that when you come with your milas, but with your chesreinus, and she comes with different milas and chesreinus, you combine together to be an adam ha-shalim. And Rav Shamsh says, the purpose in life is to become a, a perfect person. So a lot of times when people get married, they get very disturbed by finding out that their spouse is very different than them. They also find that not only disturbing, but they find it concerning. They think this is unhealthy. How am I going to manage with somebody that is so different? And he's learning from the Pasuk that the Ezer is the Kenegdai. The only way you will become complete, the only way you'll be a complete person is by, by her having differences. We don't want people marrying Arais. 
It's like a valid insight that you have to embrace the differences because the differences will mold you into the complete person. I saw that there's a mashkiach, there was a mashkiach of Terror His name was Rabbi Dolinsky. So before his chasana, as a responsible person, he went to many gedolim and he asked them, "What should I look for for a wife? When I'm looking for a wife, what should I look for?" So when he came to Rabbi Scheinberg, Rabbi Scheinberg says, "I'm not going to tell you what to look for, but I can tell you what not to look for." Scheinberg said, do not look for a clone of yourself. And then he said the following personal insight. He said, I married my wife, and we couldn't be bigger opposites. He says, I'm an extremely serious, deep thinker. He says, my wife is very relaxed, very joyful person. She's not a, she's not a, a deep person. He says, I thank the Rabbi Shalom every day that we got married. Because he said, if I would have married somebody like myself, our house would be like Tishabov. It will be so serious and foreboding, and it will be. And now our house is a joyful place to raise children. It's a healthy place to raise children. This is Reb Scheinberg talking. A Ladar is saying that he felt that his hatzlocha in his house was because he had a wife that was very different than him. And that's not to say that chasham um, for us to judge, but that that didn't create challenges for him, where maybe he wanted things to be his way, but he understood that that's what created the success in the house. The Azer, the Azer is the net connectai. The way she helps you is buying connectai. Her differences, just thinking when I was the, the earlier today, let's say a person is, is very, very, very clean and he has a, a spouse that's not so clean or the other way around. And he has to understand that, that, that part of his shleim is possibly not being so extreme in either area. Is learning how to deal with somebody that's not exactly the same way as you. Maybe you're extreme in your cleanliness. Maybe you're extreme, extreme in your uncleanliness. And therefore the spouse is being marshaling you in, in, the, in the other direction. The person has to understand that, that, that the, the value, her value is as an Ezer Konegda. It's interesting, on a similar note, but a, a job different, there's a, a story told with the Vilna Gain that two witnesses once came to be made about somebody. I don't know if it was a, a case of, of Dini Fashas or Dini Mamnis, but one aide came and gave his testimony, and then the Gain called in the second aide. And after they both came, he started yelling at them, you're liars. Mama screaming at the top of his lungs. And they talked to her, and they said we were shakronim. So they asked the guy, how did you know that they were liars? You know, what, what tipped you off that they were liars? So the guy said a beautiful pshat. He says that if you look in the Mishnahis in Sanhedrin, and I believe it's more than just one Mishnah in Sanhedrin, it could be other places. Whenever it brings the concept of Eidos, it says the first aid comes in and they ask him questions. Then they bring in the second aid, and then the Mishnah says the words, If it comes out that the words are the same, you accept the Eidos. Says the guy, and the word nimsu seems to be extra. It should have said, If the words are the same, then you accept their Eidos. What's the imnimsu? Says the guy, and the pshat is, because when two human beings see the same event, they will never describe it exactly the same. Every single person sees things and describes it differently. There are differences in how he tells it over. If you have two people giving Eidos and they say exactly the same thing, you can be sure that they practiced and rehearsed it and they were shakaronim. He says, I heard these two Eidim, they gave exactly the same Eidos. I knew it was rehearsed. 
Do you know what the word nimtsu means? Nimtsu means you find it. it. It turns out he said a little different, he said a little different, but nimtsu comes out after listening to the two things, it has to be that it was nimtsu. It can't be that it was clear that they said exactly the same word. So I think the Mepharsha HaTayra say it's beautiful Meduik this way in Apostle Nisri's Parsha because it talks about this concept of Bezin looking into witnesses and the Apostle says V'dorshu ha-shaitin heitev means behold. Hine we were taught in Cheder. Hine means behold. It's like a wonder. The Apostle says V'hine eid shekar eid. The, the Torah whenever it talks about Eidos it always says V'hine. The Yisait is here it's talking about Eid Shekhar, but in other places the Torah says, in an earlier passage, it says, Hine also when it's talking about when you're accepting the Eidus. It has to be like, behold, all of a sudden, what they said is true, because you have to put the two together and you have to realize them. I think there's a Musa Haskell in this Lakuda, and I've seen this so many times with, with Bachram and Chavrusas, that they can mamash be arguing and screaming and yelling at each other. And it, 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 it sounds like they're saying two different things. But if you listen very carefully, their mom is saying the same thing. Their mom is saying the same thing with chavrusas, spans, whatever it is. A person has to understand that the normal, healthy way to get to the MS is through two different paths. You could both be saying the MS, but you can have different ways of saying the MS. I say it one way and you say it another way. That's the healthy, that's the normal way to say the MS. The only other way you have two people saying the same thing is, is, is if it's rehearsed. But naturally, the way it's going to come is going to be you come with, with differences. So sometimes it's die to be careful when you're having an argument with somebody to see if you're really arguing with the, per, the person or you're really saying the same thing, but you're saying it in your shprach. I think that's an important lesson. The Pasha talks about a case over here where Adam give Edus, and as a result, the person has to get killed. And the Torah tells us, The Torah tells us fasting Allah. Who kills him first? The witnesses that testified against this person, they have to be the first ones to kill him. They actually use their hands, and they are the ones that have to kill him. Why are they the ones that have to kill him? So I saw a shot from one of the Rishayim, a very interesting idea, and he says, the reason we do that is because we want to create a deterrent for Eidah Shekhar. Because he says, you know, sometimes you'll find a person that maybe will give Eidah Shekhar and cause somebody to die. But if you tell a Yid that you're going to have to kill him with your own two hands, that a Yid would never do. So we tell those Edim, listen, if you're going to say the Shekhar, you're going to kill him with your own two hands. Are you willing, as a Rachman, as, an, as, as a person in Klai Yisrael, to kill him with your own two hands? You won't do that. So the deterrent to make sure that no one ever gives the Shekhar is that you're going to have to kill him with your own two hands. But I'd like to share with you a different idea as to why the Edim have to be the ones that kill him. I think it's an Ingen Chosh there's a Gemara in Ma'ikot, and Rabbi Yisai, it's a little bit of a deep in but I think it's very chosh, it's appropriate for El. There's a Gemara in that says that Shmuel said that when Rav died, he said, somebody was nifter that I was afraid of. So it's a Peladika statement. Shmuel's talking about Rav, the Gadol Hadar, and he says, Rav was nifter, and what was his point? I lost somebody that I was afraid of. Now, there's so many different shavach that you can give about Rav. The Gemara, I mean, we can go on and on and talk about Rav. Rav was Tanahu Pollock, yeah? And this is what Shmuel said, that who, who died over here? Somebody I was scared of. So I, I think this is Vardis from the Panavish Rav, but he said over such an unbelievable yisait. He said over that there are certain people in life that when you're in their presence, you demand more from yourself. There's certain people that when you're with them, you see what you can accomplish in life, 
and you expect more, and you stop fooling yourself as if to say you're, you're maxing out. I mentioned this muscle. Somebody, uh, a rub from Eretz Yisrael, said he was in Manhattan, and he was walking. All of a sudden, he sees a building, a skyscraper. He starts looking up. He says he couldn't even see the top of the building. It, it, it was the Twin Towers. He couldn't be massive. There could be such a tall building in the world. And he sees another one on the side. Also, he can't see the top. And then he looks straight ahead and he says, you know something? There's a tiny little building over here. I wonder how many floors this building has. And he counted it, and it had 30 floors. 30 floors. Such a building, at that time at least, in Eretz Yisrael, would have been the biggest building in Eretz Yisrael. But compared to the Twin Towers, it looked like a small little house. What's the Musar Haskell? In life, a person can decide that he's doing great, right? He's a tower. He's, he's a three-story building. But if he puts himself in a situation where there's the Twin Towers, he's, he's lower. He's not where he's supposed to be. He can could, he could reach so much higher. A person has to create for themselves an environment of big people where he expects a lot more from himself. And then he grows. Why does the Edom have to kill this person that they testified against? Say the Farshan is a scary thing. It works negatively also. If a person experiences somebody doing an Avera, then that Avera becomes some, somewhat normal-sized to him. And he becomes somewhat connected to that Avera. The Avera becomes something that is in his vocabulary, and he could, he could possibly be nikshalim. So we tell him, do a Maisa to kill the person who did this, to uproot from yourself this connection that you have to this Avera. You have to do a Maisa, a Maisa that shows you're going to kill the person who did this Aveira, and that will uproot from you the closest to this Midah. This idea is an idea that's very appropriate for Elul, for the Chaydish of Elul. When a person is trying to figure out what's the, what's the, the, the mind, mindset, the mindset is to create bigger, bigger, bigger people around us and understand that we're in, we have to have bigger expectations this month. A learning has to be a different learning. A davening has to be a different davening. Just like that fellow that understood that when you're with skyscrapers, you need, you need to be bigger to be able to stand out. In Elul, you're living in a tkufa of skyscrapers. In Elul, the expectations have to be gewaldic. The learning has to be on a high level. The, 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 the davening has to be on a high level. You have to expect more from yourself. That's what Rosh Hashel is about. Just end off with one idea over here. Now to from Kalim. Basak says over that if you have an egla, if you have a person that was was killed and you don't know who killed him, so you bring the an egla rufa. So Chazal bring down that the reason why Bazin is involved is Bazin has to make a, a declaration that they are not responsible for his death. How? They never sent him off without food, and they never sent him off without being malabim. And the fortune tried to understand that because they didn't give him food and because they didn't they weren't malabim, they were murderers. They have to explain that we're not murderers because we didn't do this. And if they did do this, if they sent away without food, then they would be considered murderers. Someone else murdered him. They didn't murder him. Dr. Kalm says an unbelievable insight. And he says over that if a person comes to your city and you don't look at him, and you don't pay attention to him, you don't give him food, and you don't walk him out, and you treat him like a piece of garbage, that lack of respect can give the person such a lack of self-confidence that when someone attacks him, he doesn't have the strength and the self-respect to be able to defend himself from the person. So you could be considered Yadeinu Shafka Saddam. You caused this death because a person, in order to be able to feel that he wants to act in self-defense, has to believe that he's worth something. 
So Bezin is saying, we, we didn't do this. We didn't, we didn't let him go without Leviah. We didn't let him go without Mezainus. We didn't strip him of his respect. We gave him the respect that he did, and therefore we didn't cause him to die. This is a chiv, a gadol chiv, that when a person has an opportunity to give somebody a self-respect, they should understand it could be possibly a matter of life or death.